This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hey guys, it's Laura. And Angela. This is a very special episode this week because I'm not here for the episode. Nope. We have somebody very special subbing in for Laura. It's producer Nick. Who happens to be my husband. Basically, here's the deal, guys. We had a very special guest booked, Jenny Norback, who's a dominatrix. She was in town only for a couple days, and I had to go out of town. We weren't able to rebook her, and we didn't want to miss out on having this guest because she was such a perfect fit for the podcast. So Angela suggested that my husband and our producer step in and co-host with her, and I was obviously on board with this because he's such a gentleman. I couldn't wait to hear what it was like hearing him ask uh, questions to a dominatrix. Yes, hearing him uh, try and process that even though he's a gentleman, some women just want to get spanked. (laughs) I can't wait. I'm going to be hearing this episode the first time that our listeners hear the episode. I have not listened to it yet. Uh, I can't wait. I hope that he learned some tricks that he's going to do in the bedroom. Did he, Angela? Um, I will just say that we talked a lot about blindfolds. Oh, things, <laughs> things get heated. Well, I said on uh, an earlier podcast that on our honeymoon, I tried to blindfold him and he said it hurt his eyeballs. <laughs> so I mean, he didn't, he didn't mention that. No, no. Uh, well, it's perfect that we have a dominatrix on this week's episode because this week is sponsored by adamandeve.com. So if you like any of the sex tips that our dominatrix Jenny gives and you want to order some toys, anything sexual at all, you're going to want to go to adamandeve.com. And for a limited time only, you will get 50% off just about any item. Yep. And when you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free mystery gift. And to top it all off, they will even throw in free shipping on your entire order. Go to adamandeve.com, come and use our code SINGLE at checkout. That's S-I-N-G-L-E at adamandeve.com. Use the code SINGLE at adamandeve.com. Now let's start the show. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Angela Spera, and today we have a very special guest host, my work wife, co-host, Bay. She made me call her Bay. <laughs> Laura is, uh, she had a jet set off to beautiful, exotic Florida last minute for a work trip. So taking over the mic is our producer, who also happens to be Laura's husband, Nick Rad. Hello. Wow. Hi. This is crazy. Hi. Nick, you exist. I do exist. I'm uh, your Bay's Bay. I'm your, your Bay squared. Bay's Bay. I feel like you're like the vice president. You had to take over <laughs> when the president got taken down. Wow. That's a yeah. dark. Okay. I know. Well, taken down to Florida. which Taken is down to Florida. Yeah. All right. Which is... our real president does a lot. Oh, That's no. Like, I know. Oh, oh, groan, oh, groan. Oh, it's costing us all so much money. <laughs> Um, okay, but so are you excited? I'm thrilled. This is intense. I uh, I spend every week, my wife makes a podcast where she talks about the intimate parts of our life, and this is the first time I get a little payback, oh, a little yeah. vengeance. We're going to get so intimate. Um, well, so before we get started, Laura has left a note for me to read to everyone, of course. So here here's her message to everyone. She says, sorry I'm missing this week. I hope it goes great. However, listeners, if you like Nick better than me, as most people do, oh, no. please don't write in to ask that he replace me as a host because it will hurt my feelings. Thanks. 
Nick and Angela, if you have so much fun together and try to start a coup to overthrow me as the co-host, I will come after you and murder you both. Kay, have so much fun. Love you. Bye. XX. Wow. What a note. Uh, That is added some pressure. We can't have too much fun, Angela. But a little fun. We have to have medium amounts of fun. fun. This will be a medium amount of fun podcast. Um, on top of that, that, that's not true. People don't like me more than Laura. That's impossible. Who would ever say that? <laughs> Let the listeners be the judge. Uh, I like you both. Oh, how nice. You're both great. Uh, Nick knows what's going on here, but in case you guys at home don't, uh, now that that's taken care of, we're going to get into it. So guys, every week here on the podcast, we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is kinking up your love life also on the lineup we're talking about what's new in dating news how to have a 600 hundred dollar wedding with tacos in vegas and why it might be healthy to have a crush when you're in a relationship then we're diving into the mailbox to answer your listener questions but first we want to welcome this week's guest jenny nordback she's a former professional dominatrix who moonlighted under the name mistress scarlet at one of the most popular dungeons in la now she's the author of the book, The Scarlet Letters, My Secret Year of Men in an L.A. Dungeon. Please welcome Jenny Nordback. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Ah, we're thrilled to have you. Uh, yeah. Jenny, you grew up in a small suburb of Houston, Texas. I did, yeah. <laughs> and you went to school at USC in Los Angeles, which is where Laura went. Oh, I didn't know there was that connection. Fight on. Yeah. Are you... Are you uh, Still based. Oh, and the next sentence says that. So, and then you stumbled upon an ad for a notorious sex dungeon in Culver City following graduation. What made you respond to that ad? I was just graduating from USC with an eminently practical degree in archaeology <laughs> <laughs> and like $100,000 in student loans and no idea what I was doing with my life. And so I was panicking on that end, but then also was realizing that. I'd been in this series of really unsatisfying relationships where I'd done that thing that women do where I'd just like become whoever my partner wanted me to be. Like I hadn't ever stopped to figure out who I was and what I wanted. I was just like, whatever they were into was fine by me and I would just kind of go with it. So I realized all of that at the same time and was panicking and kind of went digging for like, I think I might be curious about some edgier stuff. But this was like pre Fifty Shades of Grey. Like BDSM was not part of the mainstream conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I went down that Google rabbit hole of like, <laughs> what am I looking for here? You know, it was like Harry Potter BDSM fan fiction and, you know, just weird stuff that like today you can find a lot more. And and then I stumbled on the dungeon. And first I was like, what the hell is a dungeon? <laughs> And then started realizing like, oh my God, people do this professionally and saw the ad and was like, I guess I'll apply for a job there. So you were, you're sexually into that or sexually curious about that. And then you're like, oh, well, I could also make a little money. So two birds, kind one stone. Of, yeah, but I was, no one believes this, but I was so vanilla that I thought like blowjobs and doggy style were kinky. Like I had never done <laughs> for, anything. For some it, people. Is yeah. that, uh, so I grew up Catholic and that sounds about right yeah. from where, I, from where I came from. So. It's going to be a good episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got some stuff in there, man. Uh, so wait, so... What is an interview like at a dungeon? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's where like, I think most of the people going in there were in the lifestyle first and then we're coming to the dungeon with like some working knowledge of fetish and whatever. So, 
you know, I went in trying to like bluff my way through it, like right. go strolling in, like I'm a dominatrix. Right. And they kind of patted me on the head and they were like, one day <laughs> you, you get, will be. Did you get there 15 minutes early? Like what's the, what's yeah, the well, it's With funny. That, yeah. Well, the first thing I freaked, like I called and scheduled the interview and then I hung up the phone and I was like, what do you wear to an interview yeah. in a dungeon? Yeah. And like I couldn't ask, I couldn't call yeah. my mom and be like, mom, what do I wear to this interview? And it's not like you can Google it either. Right. I mean, you might be able to now, but I'm really glad I called back because I think I probably would have shown up dressed as like Catwoman, yeah. And that's exactly the image that might. Yeah. I would have like gone into a costume shop and gone as Catwoman, and I called back and they were like, whoa, no, 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 no. Uh, like nice. we keep a really low profile. Do not walk in in any fetish gear, like come in dressed like you would for any normal interview. So yeah, I went in in my business attire. Very nice. <laughs> like a suit, like a lady suit? Yeah, I, I was wearing like, I just, it's weird. I remember I had like Mary Jane shoes on and just felt Aww. like very demure. And I mean, you go in there and all the other girls are in costume and are like half naked. And you're like, <laughs> I'm the prude. But um, yeah, and I. it's funny that I had tried to like read books to be like, I know stuff. So I was trying to like read whatever books I could get my hands on. So when they were asking like, what's your experience? I was like, well, I've read this book and this book. <laughs> and like, that's how you're going to learn. I right. Mean, well, entry level. Yeah. That sounds, uh, I don't go on a lot of job interviews these <laughs> days, but uh, I remember that weird stress of like, kind of what you're saying earlier, like, who do I need to be for these people to like me? Right. That's a very yeah. high-pressure environment. So so uh, they started me as a submissive because I didn't know what I would like. They couldn't throw me in with a Because you wearing Mary Jeans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this girl needs to, we need and to also, work on this. And also, you called back and said, what do I do? What do I wear? <laughs> Tell me. Totally. Teach me. <laughs> yeah. So I had to learn the ropes, literally. So, wow. So at that time in your life, you're living essentially a double life. Right. Yeah. So you're a construction manager by day mm-hmm. to um, an elite Hollywood dominatrix at night. Yeah. Uh, so what's that like? And who did you tell your secret life to and who did you hide it from? Uh, so I wasn't only working in construction. It was construction at a children's hospital. Okay. So it was like the oh stakes were that much higher. That like, Patch Adams. It was, you know, like super corporate and very appropriate. And yeah. like, you know, you're going through like sexual harassment training. And oh like, God. you know, it's just very, very like serious grounded corporate job, which I mean, I love parts of it. But then, you know, the flip side of it is the dungeon. And I mean, they just, it wasn't an option for anyone at work to know what I was doing. So (laughs) I kept it really secret. And I think when I first started working at the dungeon, I didn't tell anyone except my roommate because, I mean, we all, I think people do it now. Like when you go on a Tinder date or something, like someone's got to know where you are in case they turn out to be an axe murderer. So um, I told my roommate and that was it. And I mean, I had a boyfriend at the time and I didn't even tell him. I was like, well, what if I don't get hired? And then what if I don't like it? Like, I don't want to have to admit this stuff to him mm. if it doesn't end up happening. And then, you know, four weeks in, you're like, I'm still lying. Like, I either have to break up with him or tell him. So, But that actually brings up a good point. So you weren't, when you're as a dominatrix or a submissive, you're not actually having sex with your clients, right? Yeah, right. that's an important okay. distinction that I always forget to make. I just kind of assume everyone knows what I'm talking about. And yeah, um, so at the dungeon where I worked, no sex, no penetration, no exchange of bodily fluids, no like traditional sex acts. So hand jobs, blow jobs, that kind of stuff is off limits. 
um, which is funny because everyone keeps calling it a sex dungeon. And I'm like, mm. sex is pretty much the only thing you can't <laughs> right. do there. Like everything else dungeon. is fair game. But And it's on the fourth floor of a nice building. No, <laughs> right. <laughs> but like, are they allowed to like finish on their own? Like, yeah. It's so sexual. Yeah, it's that thing where, like, you can do it, but I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to, like, stop you and be like, whoa, 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 like, take your hand away. But, like, I'm not going to participate in it. If I'm yelling at you while you're doing it, that's okay. But, like, I'm not going to be the one instigating it. Right, right. That seems fair. Fair enough. So, and then, okay, so, yeah, a lot of people don't know what goes on in the dungeon, I guess. But most people, like you said, their point of reference is Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, yeah. how accurate is that? Or is that, like, a total, like, you're, is that I mean, taboo in the S&M community? Or are they like, <laughs> ugh, ugh, Fifty Shades? I, th- I think it's really easy to make fun of it. But yeah. you have to give it its due for making it part of the mainstream conversation. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's clearly a depiction from someone who's fantasized about it, but has probably never really done very much of it. Right. Well, it did um, so start like, as fan fiction. You said like Harry Potter fan yeah, fiction. Exactly. I think it started as Twilight fan fiction. It did, yeah. Fifty Shades to... Yeah. Wow. It was all news to me. That's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a an interesting story how that came about. It was initially just like fan fiction posted online, and then I think she took it off and made books out of it well, clearly but. a lot of people are interested in this stuff you just were brave enough to pursue it yeah i don't i don't know what was going through my head at that age but <laughs> it seemed like a good idea so what's the training process like how does someone learn to become i guess do they you said submissive earlier and dominant i can roughly know what that means yeah. but do you want to explain that and how do you learn or train to do that So the submissive would be the one who's on the receiving end of stuff that's going on. So some guys go to the dungeon to be dominated and they want to be the sort Mm -hmm. of archetypal dominatrix image that we have in our Mm -hmm. minds. But there are also men who want to be the dominant one. So they go to the dungeon to hire a submissive. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the best ways to learn how to be a really good dom is to start as a sub because you can't really understand that mindset until you've done it yourself. Like just some of the head fucks that can go on Mm. where like when it's happening to you, you're like, Oh my God, that's so intense or so powerful. And sometimes it's something really little. So I think the best doms start as subs. So at the dungeon, I mean, that's how you learn. You kind of get chucked into sub sessions at first. And through that, you're learning the implements and the mindset and how it all feels. And at the same time, you're kind of being mentored by the women who are already mistresses. So, um, you know, in downtime in the dressing room, whatever, you're like teaching each other rope and like mm-hmm. practicing implements on each other. And it's kind of rope a fun like, environment. Like different kinds of knots. Yeah. So like tying each other yeah. up and exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that stuff is hard. Yeah, like, I can't do it. Shabari is like, it's so complicated. I never got really good at it. I could do like basic quick and dirty knots. But, yeah, like, yeah, Yesterday, I'm I'm 34 years old. Yesterday was the first time I've ever tied a full Windsor knot on my oh top. My <laughs> and I've looked at it on Google before and been like, nope, don't need it. I also never wear a tie. So it was like a, a whole thing. But yeah. Yeah, so I still tie my shoelaces the bunny ears way. Yeah, <laughs> that's how bad I am. Just I don't know if anyone else still sing, does sing that. Sing a little song as you do it. Yeah, sure. That's a, other people do that too. Okay. I think it would be adorable if you were do, singing the song while you were tying the guys up. <laughs> I'm sure some of them would be totally into that. <laughs> Probably yes. <laughs> so, 
I don't know. I feel like I just derailed us. But yeah, <laughs> no, we love derailments. Um, so I thought I read something interesting that you said that because um, you worked in, in Hollywood and you said you thought it was so popular there being a dominatrix, like people wanting to be dominated because everyone was surrounded by yes men. And yeah. They just wanted to hear no. Yeah. That's so interesting. I what think- what, uh, what brought you to that epiphany? Just, I mean, I think it's sort of a stereotype, but it it really held true. One of the few that holds consistently true is like really powerful people just get such a rush out of like being put in their place or, you know, like in some cases being like humiliated or Mm -hmm. put down. But sometimes it's more just like that physical loss of control. So being like tied up and forced to do things or like a fantasy where they're your slave or they're powerless or whatever. So yeah, really powerful men often just get off on like having no power. And we're not naming names, but you have worked with some powerful men, some famous men that we might know. Yes. (laughs) So like when you were dominating them, how personal would you get? Like if it was like Jack Nicholson, would you be like, I didn't like you as the Joker or were you not allowed to like get into that like would have been really awesome. But I don't know where that reference came from. I, I like that. I think no. you've got your natural. Uh-uh. Um, uh-uh. Yeah, no, I, it's funny. I didn't ever get that personal until like, cause yeah, I mean, you know, things about their personal life that right. you could use against them. But I mean, I think the particularly famous people that I worked with, weren't necessarily looking for humiliation so i didn't have to use that it was more like physical stuff that was going on with them so so did you ever have um favorite clients or people that you developed relationships with outside of work or is part of the community the idea that when you leave that place that's it it's sort of frowned upon to interact with your clients outside of the dungeon but it does happen like Mm -hmm. you see them out at events and parties and whatever and that's fine um it's funny how yeah some of my clients I just had this like intense connection with Mm -hmm. and you'd get like genuinely excited to be playing with them and like exploring with them and they were just so like open and threw off this energy that you would feed off of Mm -hmm. and then others it was like they were disrespectful and would try to push the boundaries and you'd be like I do not get paid enough to deal with this so what do you do in that do you like report them to the other yeah, mistresses? it depends how far they go with it. Like, yeah, if they're really crossing a line, then you kind of let the person in charge know. And if they do it enough, then they're not welcome back. But um, yeah, I mean, and to some extent, like you choose the sessions that you're going to take. So like you just don't take a session with them again. Right. And um, yeah, I had a couple of just bad situations where it was like, ugh. I- Really, you've got to ruin it for everyone. Uh, I'm sure men, men are animals. I <laughs> am. <laughs> Actually, I'm assuming that they were. Were they? Were your clients typically all men? Or were I did have some women. Yeah, and that was always exciting. And I had women sometimes, and couples were always a fun one too. I think couples were often coming in because they. I mean, sometimes they just wanted to learn. So it was like, you know, you go to a professional and you're getting hands-on instruction and there was nothing really particularly intimate about it. It was just like the mechanics. But then sometimes it was a little more intimate. And I think they felt like by going to a professional, they were 
you know, less likely to have emotional complications. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're inviting your friend over and you're all getting drunk. And then the next weekend you're like, oh, this is awkward. (laughs) Like she's trying to break up our marriage versus like you're going to a pro. She's probably not going to try and interfere with your marriage. Like it's, you know, everyone can just do their thing. Um, Did you, uh, you gave your clients nicknames like (laughs) Tickle Ed, Doggy Dan, Treasure Trolls and Tada Ted. Uh, What was Treasure Trolls into? (laughs) Um, some of the nicknames it's funny they've like were fine with it and went by but oh, they knew uh, about the <laughs> some of them yeah and then some of them didn't but like we all would call uh, them yeah. that yeah. consistently so you would have to like occasionally you would let it <laughs> slip and be like uh you know i just called you sissy whatever and you don't realize that that's what everyone calls you but oh, boy. um the treasure trolls were a couple that uh. they were both like you know, barely five feet tall and just looked like the, they looked exactly oh like God. treasure trolls. So that was Aww, what I nicknamed man. them. That's but cute, actually. They were some of my, they were my very last session at the dungeon. They were my, one of my favorite sessions. <laughs> That's way more wholesome than I was expecting. <laughs> um, so something I wonder about a lot, how, if you're the kind of lady, hypothetically, that's into like being a submissive, how can you do that and still be like, feminist and be like yeah i'm a bitch but i'm letting you call me that. yeah i mean i think it's really empowering i i don't think it's like kind of misunderstood that like you know i'm a feminist which means then i have to be dominant i think that means you have a choice and like yeah that you're able to make that choice and explore with your partner and trust them and i think it's really empowering and like in a healthy situation so maybe not exactly 50 shades of gray um it's yeah it's uplifting and it's exciting and i think if that's what you're into you should be allowed to explore that and still be a feminist right it's about like consent and boundaries i guess yeah you just have to kind of know the per or i feel like maybe for it to be healthy you have to know the other person well or maybe not i don't know maybe that's just my (laughs) psychological hang-ups i I have to know everything going through your head right now (laughs) i think it's better if it's intimate like it's there's more trust and i mean certainly for a lot of the stuff that i'm talking about you should know them like (laughs) you shouldn't really be putting yourself in that situation with like a craigslist date right which some of my friends have done and Uh oh no it's terrifying. I mean, there's definitely a lot of people on Craigslist looking for that. Yeah. But we don't have to yeah, answer <laughs> answer the call. <laughs> um, so you're married now and yeah. you have a child. I uh, do. And I read that your husband was not a client. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it's funny how often I have to clear that up. Okay. <laughs> My poor mother-in-law, when she read the book, was like, was he? Is that how you guys? And I was oh. like, no. Is he a tickle troll? Or? Amazing. Um but how did it come up uh, with your current husband and what does he think of your past and what, what was that conversation like? Um, so he worked on the construction job site with me for wow. like almost three years. And I mean, we interacted, but just never really saw each other. Right. And I mean, I think I had to grow up for us to really be compatible. I had to figure myself out for that relationship to make sense. So when we did finally start seeing each other, I wasn't doing it professionally anymore, but I felt like I had to drop it early. Like Mm. that's not a, we've been together for a year, (laughs) by the way, like, especially because I think I knew then that I wanted to write about it. Mm -hmm. So it was like a important to me that he wasn't going to reject me for it um, before I put too many feelings on the line. And then B like I needed to know that he was going to be comfortable with me sharing the story. And thankfully he's like this, just like, 
powerful, really centered, strong, grown up. Like he's a man mm-hmm. and it, he just took it in stride and understood it, it. was like, yeah. if that's what made you who you are now, then Great. I'm glad you did it. Yeah. So. That's such a good description of like baggage in general, you know, that whole feeling of like, I was somebody before I met you. Some of those things you want to address and other of those things like I think are probably better left unaddressed. I feel that way at least. Maybe yeah. that's my repressed former right. Catholic self coming out. But I think there are certain things that like, I mean, I feel that way about about Laura's past. I, I don't, I mean, I care so much as she feels the desire to express it with me. Yeah. But I don't care in terms of like, I would never hear something and be like, oh God, that changes how I feel. You yeah. Know? I, but that's a, I don't know. That's an interesting thing because I think some people lead with their faults and that's a weird vibe sometimes so yeah. well it's funny that we live in a time now where like pretty much anyone that you're gonna date has a past it's not like you know most people are getting together at like 16 or 18 yeah. and you're each other's first everything like someone has been in there and like <laughs> done some damage first so yeah. and it's funny because a lot of the popular culture sort of films and uh television shows that we grow up on kind of come from a decade or two before where <laughs> your models, if you're just basing it on entertainment, are going to have that kind of outdated modality. So you feel like a freak for, you know, for having some kind of past. But but that's not reality. Well, (laughs) on that note, look at my smooth transition. Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) It's time for What's in the News? That was so well done. (laughs) It really was. So impressed. Yeah, that was like... uh, (laughs) Tried to get up for the first time on a bicycle, but you know, that's fine. Um, uh, and yeah, we're going to actually, the, since the theme of this week's episode is kinky up your love life, we're going to talk a lot more about being kinky later. So for now, <laughs> what's in the news? This is more of a PSA than a news item. Guys, you can get married at Taco Bell for $600 in Las Vegas. <laughs> Thank you to the New York Post for letting me know this. Lauren Tusignant wrote the piece. Um, and yeah, Taco Bell just opened this like big space in Vegas. It's going to be open 24 hours. There was a wedding chapel. Uh, it says couples can come right in and order a wedding off the menu. The 600 wedding package includes Taco Bell champagne flutes, which is great. I love a little bubbly. Very classy. Uh, just married t-shirts. Taco Bell bow tie and garter. Uh, speaking of classy, um, a Cinnabon delights wedding cake. Uh, oh, Cinnabon is getting in on the game. I guess so. Right. What goes better with a chalupa than a Cinnabon <laughs> delights wedding cake? Um, and a bouquet made of sauce packets. Oh, so boy. this is obviously disgusting. <laughs> Why See, am just, I already married? Yeah, like, and, and also you're shaming all the people who are definitely doing this. I know. You know? Listen, guys, I love a Dorito Loco as much as the next gal. Yeah, I just maybe it's better for renewing vows than for a first time <laughs> around. Like if you want to consider I that, think it's genius. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do like that it's kind of the antithesis of the wedding. Well, yeah. maybe it's the product of, but like the wedding industry, I mean, and that it has to be like a hundred thousand dollar <laughs> wedding with like. So all the bells and whistles, like throw all of that out of the window and just have some tacos. Yeah. Yeah, You're speaking with the disdain of somebody who's done it as (laughs) as I have. And I, you know, I'm Taco Bell's not my jam either, but I do love the, the vibe of exactly what you're saying. Like just every time somebody talks to you when you're getting married and is a vendor, 
the thing that rose in me was this like contempt for the fact that like stop exploiting the fact that I love my wife for a larger check. This is really aggravating. And then also stuffing that down and being like, it's her day. She cares. You know, <laughs> like, um, and I think it is, it's so much of that, like that behavioral role of two people's expectations coming together to create this kind of weird Frankenstein thing. Right. Um, and sometimes it's beautiful and sometimes it's like incredibly anxiety inducing and so, like, hearing people who would be on board for this is both, like, baffling and kind of beautiful. Right. So. We eloped oh. for that. Yeah, that's a, is that yeah. true? We, that's yeah, amazing. we were, like, mm, not doing any of that. That's amazing. Uh, I feel like being the last of, of my friend group to likely get married will, <laughs> will actually benefit me in the long run because I'm just going to learn from everyone's mistakes and anxieties. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Highly recommend eloping. Yeah. Yeah. Are you definitely financially sound? Yeah. Every time we go to a wedding, we're like, I love weddings, but we did a really good thing. Like we made such a good choice not dealing with any of this. Yeah. And like going to weddings is fun. You kind of get that out of your system by attending other people's. It's just like, why spend a lot of money on your own? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have you guys ever, what's like the weirdest wedding locale or venue you've ever Uh, been to? That's a good question. That's not a Taco Bell. Um, weirdest, uh, there was a wedding, it, this isn't exactly weird and it wasn't really the fault of the people getting married, but, <laughs> but it was going to be somewhere in Mexico and I'm blanking on where it was, but a hurricane had hit the hotel where the wedding was oh, going to be like, uh, like two or three weeks before the wedding. And they wanted to keep the date because, you know, they had all their people coming. And so they moved it to California uh, and found a house and just kind of put it together. And so that was actually kind of cool because there was this like chaos in the air, you know, and you kind of felt that. And but but and and so it was like the fact that you're acting so cool right now gives (laughs) you extra points. I don't know. It it was kind of cool. it was also like kind of five star. There was a lot of money involved. So, wow. you know, they had it and it was dope. <laughs> like, I loved it. But, uh, yeah. Easy to yeah. be flexible. Yeah, like, yeah, we'll yeah. just get this yeah. house. <laughs> yeah. But that's awesome. Yeah. That it still requires like a very specific kind of like laid back person that's like, we'll get a house. Yeah. Because that wouldn't be me. All right. <laughs> I would freak out. Would but I? then it is easier to be laid back if there's money that like you're not yeah, like, yeah. oh, God. Yeah, yeah, money can make you seem very comfortable in situations that would otherwise be uncomfortable. Yeah. So. Uh, with Taco Bell on the table, I feel like nothing else sounds yeah. weird. Yeah, that makes that make compares. That. That's, I'm, um, I'm going to a wedding in May in, in, on a campground. That's kind of cool. <laughs> it's not. She, oh, not your. Oh. Well, I mean, so. if, you're, if you're a camper, it's awesome. Uh, we're staying in teepees, so <laughs> I can. So. The disdain is just dripping. Yeah. No, I love it. So I love it. So that's that's my weird wedding story. But it hasn't happened yet. Maybe it'll be great, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, what are you reading about? Nick? Oh well, I'm reading Goop. You guys read Goop? Uh, <laughs> That's a lie. Laura, Laura picked this one out for me. So this is uh, from Goop, which apparently is Gwyneth Paltrow's website stuff. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Great. And in Goop, the uh, Jennifer Freed is the... No, there's two authors, Jennifer Freed and PhD. Oh, wait. See, this is complicated. I can't tell if uh, Jennifer Freed is the PhD or Melissa Lowenstein is yeah, the PhD. There's a rogue ampersand in there. Yeah. So somebody here is a doctor. Let's just put that out there. Uh, this article is titled The Upside of a Crush, Even If You're in a Committed Relationship. And uh, 
the, sorry, the, the psychological astrologer, Jennifer Freed. I'm having a hard time Don't with that. Don't laugh at uh, science. <laughs> okay. Psychological <laughs> astrologer. All right. Uh, she argues that there's no harm in harboring a crush. It doesn't mean that you're reverting to your teenage self or that your current relationship, if you're in one, is doomed. Freed says that crushes have a lot to tell us about ourselves. Uh, she sees them rooted in our own unmet needs and that they can actually serve to kickstart uh, our mojo, even if we never act on them. Um, she goes on to identify the difference between like a crush and your teen years where you're sort of um, trying to mirror the other person and basically create yourself in the image of you know what you think they'll like. Uh, but that crushes don't have an age limit and none of us are immune. And Dr. Freed says, don't panic. Uh, a crush is, doesn't necessarily indicate that your current partner is wrong for you. Um, she says that the persistent and sometimes destructive infatu- infatuations are rooted in unmet needs and they're a forceful combination of unconscious wishes and desires we have neglected and our desperation to be fully known and expressed. Um, her conclusion uh, in kind of going on this journey is the idea that um, there's no moral wrongdoing in harboring a crush and that problems come when we act uh, out on them and possibly against our own values in ways that harm others. Uh, let the powerful longing for the other turn you toward yourself. And if you have a committed romantic partner, uh, bring the sexy back and pull that into <laughs> yeah. your partnership. Um I feel yeah, like yeah. easier said than done in terms of turning it into a positive. Turning a crush into a positive. Right? Yeah. Like, I, and making it strengthen your current relationship. That's like what she's getting at. <laughs> that's what she's getting at. She's getting at using it as like a moment to identify what is it in that person that is uh, pulling you towards them or making you feel gravitational towards them. But if it's something that's missing in your current <laughs> partner... Well, I, it there, seems like all that's going to do is like highlight that. I, I, I left out the part where she heavily pads against that and kind of says that it doesn't mean that there's uh, something wrong with your current partner, but okay. that that's you kind of going into your own internal toolbox and kind of figuring out, okay, where am I feeling that way? And then, uh, you know, theoretically just understanding what it is that, that you individually could do uh, to enhance that part of your life as right. opposed to act out out of some sort of desire for that person, but just recognize that like, Oh, here's this thing that that's not coming out of me and not blaming your partner for that. Um, right. Which I think is an interesting idea. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, do y'all have crushes on anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's, I've always believed that it's healthy to, to have a, a little crush on someone else. I mean, I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, I think it's unrealistic to assume that like, but I mean, I guess it's like, what is a crush really like? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like she maybe defines it, but like, yeah, you're going to connect with people and spark with people and whatever. It's just a choice whether you like pursue that or whether yeah. you just go like, cool, I, you know, that's someone I connect with. So, right. I think as long as you can ask yourself, like, if this person wanted to take the cross the line, yeah. would I go for it? And as long as your answer continues to be no, you're <laughs> probably in a good situation. Yeah. With your and, al- and also if you're setting up scenarios where that was like a possibility that right. that's probably a good note to yourself that, you know, you've got some stuff to deal with. Uh, right. yeah. But I think the idea of like, um, a fantasy version of your own life is a pretty common thing for me. Like as a, a painter, I spend a lot of time alone and I think a lot of times in my own head, I exist not as myself, if that makes sense. Like I'm sort of thinking about, 
uh, my brain somewhere else. And so a lot of times I'm a fictive image of my own life. And I think that I think this idea of crush, like it's just other people mentally moving through your like pretend space, you know, and then there's the difference between that and your day to day, which if you can't draw the distinction in your own mind, I, good luck to your partner. That's going to hurt a lot, you know? So I don't know. I think about that through like acting and stuff like that too. There's sort of that, you understand the circumstances where it's appropriate to engage in that and when that would be harmful. Um, right. So if Laura's listening. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think did, did she, she placed this article for me to read. So I'm feeling a little, um, no. so all your crushes are in your pretend space. Uh, yeah. They exist in a, in a realm that no humans actually live in. So safe. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 All right. Well, let's jump into the mailbox, guys, shall we? Actually, Angela, let's take a quick commercial break. Hey, guys, it's Laura. I figured you might be missing me this episode. Maybe not. I don't know. But either way, I am popping in here to thank this week's sponsor, Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. You know Angela and I love Squarespace. Just this morning, actually, I was adding some of our pictures from South by Southwest, the recent show we did out there. I'm always updating, tinkering with our Squarespace website, and it's so, so easy. I was also updating our podcast description because I realized there's been a lot of cool things we've done, so I wanted to write about it. Anyways. Squarespace is the best. I'm obsessed with it. I was using Squarespace before they were even a sponsor of our podcast. That is how much we genuinely love it because of their beautiful award-winning designer templates. You can create a beautiful website or an online store with an award-winning template. Squarespace's templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online. They also have award-winning 24-7 customer service. I think I'm friends with everyone at Squarespace because I love emailing them. They're the best. They get back to you really fast. They also give you a domain. Squarespace offers a unique domain experience that's fully transparent and simple to set up. Guys, start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter our offer code SINGLE, S-I-N-G-L-E, to get 10% off your first purchase. That's SINGLE at squarespace.com. All right, let's get back to Angela and Nick. All right, so this week we have a question from Brandon, and we need both your help, Jenny, and your help, Nick, Uh a fellow man, (laughs) to help Brandon out. So Brandon says, hello, I'm in high school. I play a character with my friends, and a lot of people think it's really me. My character is weird and goofy. I don't care what others think about me, but I do want to show the girl I like that I'm just doing bits. (laughs) Everyone loves someone that's always doing bits. Um, (laughs) How do I get people to understand that I can be mature and caring? Thank you in advance for any advice. Oh, that's such a hard age. (laughs) And I feel like at that age, you think you're the only one who's doing that. Like you're just trying to figure out who you are. So yeah, if you get these positive responses to like being goofy and whatever, then that starts being what you do because like people respond to it so you kind of can relax and like that's where you fit into the social spectrum but everyone is doing it i promise like <laughs> everyone feels like they're creating a persona for their friends and like you're not alone i i promise but i mean i think with the girl it's just like be that for her like try to be conscious of not doing bits for her and like be real and open and vulnerable and like, you know, let her see that other side of you. Totally. That, it takes a crazy amount of strength and self-knowledge at 
that is, I mean, I'm guessing how old does he say is high school, but to be able to sort of step outside of your expected social group and be not that, that's very impressive. And Brandon, my heart goes out to you because I <laughs> faked it so hard for like way late into life. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe if your bits are good, she won't care. I don't know. Work, yeah, work harder on your bits, Bryn. <laughs> yeah, good advice. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, but I, impressive self awareness for someone in high school, like that totally, he recognizes that totally. and recognizes that he needs something else out of a relationship and like doesn't want it to be superficial. So, I mean, well done, Brandon. Yeah, and like I think maybe if he can find a way to get this girl, like alone like maybe they could go do something together just the two of them without the eyes of like all their other friends on them he would be more comfortable probably that's really true it's like debit yeah 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 that kind of thing still happens later in life where you like you notice your own behavior around a certain group of friends and then you you know somebody enters the room and all of a sudden you like you hear your voice sound so different and you're like yes. what just happened totally. you know? it's like a weird <laughs> sensation so I yeah. guess my advice, Brandon, is it never changes. No. <laughs> but it gets better. Does it? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope that was helpful, Brandon. <laughs> if you want your listener question answered, you can email us at contact at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. You can also find contact info on our website, thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. Now let's dive into our reason of the week. This week's reason is kinking up your love life. <laughs> I can't. Beautiful. Thank you. I can't, I can't talk about anything sexy without doing that. Because I think that's, that's what being sexy is, that's right? That's the sexiest noise you know how to Yes, <laughs> it is, which is why we need your help, <laughs> Um I do. I feel like this is like being kinky specifically is something that a lot of people want, whatever their specific kink is, but are unsure like how to bring up the topic with their partner yeah in a sexy way like i know for me i'm like well if i like bring it up then we're gonna not it's not gonna be organic we're gonna be thinking about the conversation and that's not sexy so like do you have any tips for like bringing this stuff up i mean my first acknowledgement would be like when I, the first time I brought it up with a partner. And so in that case, like I was going to be dominant and he was going to be submissive, but we'd been in a relationship for a long time and that hadn't been the dynamic. We were just doing like normal sex. So I like made it into this big production and I was like, all right, you know, on Thursday, whatever day it was, you're going to come over at five o'clock. And from the second you walk in the door, I'm going to be your mistress and you're going to be my slave and we're going to like do this. So we'd kind of figured out like some stuff we were going to do, or I had figured out some stuff we were going to do because I was at the dungeon at the time and could ask the girls like, hey, what do I do? So I've like made it into this like elaborate thing and I'm like, this is going to work. And he comes over and it was really hard. Like just switching that on in your relationship is like, when that's not your normal dynamic, it's really uncomfortable. And like... It just, it's difficult for both of you. Like he was kind of laughing and then I was getting mad because he was laughing and like that was making me insecure. And it's, that's, it's challenging on both sides. And then, I mean, on top of that, I had screwed everything up. It was like, we were going to do hot wax play and I like didn't know that there were different kinds of candles that you could do that with. So I had him like tied up. Not only did I pour it in his belly button, (laughs) but it was the wrong kind of wax. So it was too hot and it was like burning him, but he was tied down and I like fell over laughing because it was so ridiculous. And it was just this like series of unfortunate events. Like there were like five things I messed up. It's in the book and it's just like 
one of my more embarrassing stories, but I felt like I had to put it out there for this reason because it's like you don't just immediately organically go into this like sexy place where like suddenly, you know, it's 50 shades of gray and like everything's perfect. Not that it is, but um, so I felt like it was important to admit that, that like I really, there were some growing pains in introducing that to a relationship, but I mean, it's really scary, especially, I mean, depending on what you're into, like if you've been together for a while and like admitting that there's something else that you want to explore. And I think it's particularly scary because like once you've said it, you can't unsay it. Right. So like if I've thrown it on the table that I like want to be forced to be a dog, then (laughs) like, and they judge me for it, then they can't ever go back to seeing me as someone who doesn't like that. Right. And then every time you're ever having sex, they're like, she wishes she was a dog right now and I'm not treating her like a dog. So I have anxiety. Yeah. So it's, I completely understand how scary it is to bring it up in a relationship, but I think it's important. I think there are too many people. And that was the saddest part of my job. Just how many people were like lying and like repressing and deeply ashamed of what they were doing. And it was like, in so many cases, I felt like they just weren't giving their partners enough credit. Like if they opened up to them and created that space of trust in their relationship, they would be so much stronger for it. And they would probably accept them for it and be willing to experiment, but they just weren't giving them the chance. So I think if you're in a really healthy, supportive relationship, you should have that space to, you know, open up. And if you're scared, do it in baby steps and like both of you do it and sort of experiment with it a little bit. But um, I mean, easy tips and tricks that I found helpful were stuff like like a blindfold mm-hmm. goes a long way. Like suddenly you're not having to make eye contact. Whoever's on is being blindfolded can like go to their own headspace and create whatever fantasy they want in their mind. And the person who's in control doesn't feel like the other person's just like staring at them with expectations. Right. So Plus you don't have to buy anything. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has something they can use for a right. blindfold. Yeah, exactly. So little stuff like that. I mean, sensory deprivation in general, I think is helpful in those early steps of like you know a blindfold or even earplugs are kind of exciting like um or both at the same time like sensations get really intense um a gag gives you permission to not feel like you have to say the right thing it you know which i think for a lot of people takes a lot of the pressure (laughs) off yeah so it that can be a really powerful step just doing something simple like that to like you know you're not expected to look at them or talk to them or whatever and I mean, yeah, you might lose some kind of intimacy in doing that. But I think if you make it more about the sensations, it can still be really intimate. So right. Plus, you don't have to do it every time. Yeah. You can have like one time that's a little less intimate. Um, yeah, I think um, it, you touched on some of this. And I think it's just kind of interesting because I think there's this feeling for a lot of men, uh, myself, I would put myself into this category where... Um, the strong desire not to ever feel like you're disrespecting um, mm. your female partner, you know, and, and feeling like in the world conscious of how often that happens, but, you know, both to my wife, to my sister, to my, just, it's a common occurrence for a woman. And I feel as like a really twee sensitive art kid growing up <laughs> that I was like super self conscious of that kind of thing. And, uh, and so the experience of, of going from that feeling to uh, the situation where a woman would want some feeling of that kind of forcefulness. And um, yeah, I, can you can you talk about being able to turn that on and turn that off or understand the difference between um, an environment where 
that experience is a positive one and a negative one. Yeah. I mean, I think you've touched on something that is such a challenge, particularly for men, because mm. exactly what you said, like it's you're if you're a good man, you're taught not to do those kinds of things to your partner and right. not to make them feel like you're controlling them or being right. dominant or whatever. So I think it's particularly challenging when you you know, some men that does naturally, that's what they're into. And that's totally. great. But I think there are a lot of women clearly who want that sort of power play in the bedroom, but don't have a naturally dominant man. And I think most of that working out actually rests on the woman. I think so many of them are like, well, he's just not dominant enough. And it's like, well, how submissive are you being? Like, are you empowering him? Or are you allowing him to be that? And are you like, making it okay. And I think communication is really huge for that one where like he needs to know ahead of time exactly mm -hmm. what he can do and exactly mm -hmm. what he can say so that he's not in a position where he's like, you know, I think <laughs> I want to call her a yeah. slut, but right. like, is she going <laughs> right. to not talk to me for two weeks if <laughs> I call her a like, slut? Turn around and be like, what? I mean, yeah. So like, I mean, I I'm going to have to go take a shower after hearing you say, <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. You have to like, so upfront, he needs to know exactly what you want and exactly what is okay. And, you know, is that as exciting as him just like reading your mind and, mm -hmm. you know, doing this organic scene? No, but like, you've got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And once you've started to have that dynamic, then he can kind of take it and run with it. But I think f to build confidence initially and let him know that that's okay, you need to have gone to that level of specificity. Like, you know, the the type of feeling that you want to create. Is it a sort of like, you know, I'm going to turn you over my knee and spank you, like punishing sort of mm -hmm. thing? Or is it like, you know, I'm so turned on by you that I'm going to sort of push you up against the wall and have my way with you? Or like, what's the overall feeling that you're going for? And then like, yeah, do you want him to like call you names or pull your hair or, you know, like what's okay and what's not? You're, yeah, you're saying sort of define those boundaries beforehand so that everyone's yeah, so that yeah, he that getting what they want doesn't yeah. have to yeah. wonder at all if it's okay because the second he's wondering that he's no longer feeling confident and dominant and you, you've lost the power of that and then the flip side of it is you have to be submissive to empower him to be dominant so my suggestion when couples are going to try that for the first time is that they sort of pick a day that's like at least a few days out and for the days leading up to that, do some kind of fun stuff where like you're serving him. So like be submissive and make those efforts that you wouldn't normally make and kind of let him feel that manly alpha dominant role so that he's already in that mind space when you go into it. <laughs> I, 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 it's that's fascinating because I it's I am so resistant to the idea of being alpha in any situation like it and that's fair right yeah, and, it's and like um, a weird but yeah and not to speak for laura but i think her and myself like and we're both resistant to the idea of like being like domestic yeah. housewife <laughs> like yeah. we couldn't even do that if we tried but if you're both like playing into like kind of a role totally well if it's building up know? to like sexy time then no, yeah, get, it's I, kind yeah, of fun the, the the realm of the fantasy we were talking about yeah. earlier but yeah taking on a different personality seems cool yeah you yeah. just gotta rewire your brain to be yeah. like cool with it um so, <laughs> this is all really good information watch out for hot wax in your belly button yeah <laughs> but play the role um i guess my only other question is what would you say the is the most common male fantasy that you've experienced mm. in, uh, in your experience 
Men are so specific. It's fascinating. Like down to the color of your toenail polish or like the same three phrases repeated over and over and over again. So in that sense... Beetlejuice, is it? Yeah. <laughs> no? No, that's so dangerous. Oh, that's, what I, that's my thing. I've already said it once. <laughs> Will he come? I to come. Come on. All right. There oh, yeah. Beetlejuice porn. You just hit it for me. <laughs> I found it. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead, Jenny. No, you're fine. Um, so, I mean, I think in that sense, like, they can be, they're so unique because they're so specific. But I think feet, interestingly, foot fetishes are, I would I, say, like, one in three men has a foot fetish. I have a theory about that. It's not fully my theory, and I don't have this fetish, but it interests me. I, I, uh, it's from Dan Harmon says this on Harmon Town. He talks about <laughs> he's a bit of a freak himself. Well, but he talks about the experience of of growing up um, feeling sort of repressed, introverted, shy, uh, and mostly spending his time with his eyes down on the floor uh, and mm. sort of not feeling good enough or worthy enough to make eye contact with the uh, element of his desire. You know, uh, not just as a teen, but as even a, a child, and so the only thing he was ever looking at were people's feet and sort of the, and the ability to like that sort of triggered something early on in his sexuality, that sense of like, that's my comfort zone because kind of what you said about sensory deprivation, the feet are not looking back at you or making you uncomfortable, you know? And, and in that way they could just be an object of, of desire. I've thought a lot about it because I, I, don't I can't pin down any like specific fetishes in my life, and mm. I've been trying to because I must have that. Like everyone <laughs> right, does, you right. know. Yeah, but they I both have went a, to Catholic school. Yeah, so. they're really buried in places that I'm uh, <laughs> that I haven't found, and so I've like tried to understand where fetishes come from, uh, and that that fascinated me. I he's he's not a. Uh, astrologer physiologic astrologer i don't know what whatever he's not a physician he's not a doctor but uh but i don't know i thought that was interesting that's fascinating i haven't heard that before yeah but but then it's it's also fascinating like i can say foot fetish and it's Mm -hmm. like okay yeah that's all the same thing but what was always amazing to me was just how that could branch off into like do you like perfectly manicured feet or dirty oh, feet or yeah. smelly feet? Or do you want feet that are like squishing food or have a <laughs> shoe dangling off of yeah. them or like, so it's a very specific image kind of thing created. From yeah. Oh, wow. Like foot yeah. fetish doesn't cover it. It's like, then it, there's so many different specific ways it can go that, you know, it, it was challenging as a professional because <laughs> you would just have on your schedule, like, you know, it's, Nick's coming in and he's a foot yeah. guy and you would yeah. be like, well, do well, I, mean anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, do I need to do anything to prepare here? Do I need to go like stomp in the mud outside or yeah. Amazing. So, oh, cool. Again, it comes down to specifics and communication. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for all of that. Uh, now is the time when we break down our reason of the week in our reason of the week breakdown. Okay, so no one knows how to spice things up um, more like, sorry, (laughs) no one knows how to spice things up in the bedroom like Jenny does, but we're putting her knowledge to the test in one of our favorite games. It's a game we've played before, a game we call children's toy or sex position. (laughs) If you can't figure it out, Jenny, we're going to read the name and you have to guess if it's a children's toy or a sex position. As both a mom and a former dominatrix, I feel like you have a competitive edge here. Hopefully. (laughs) 
but I might know some, some positions that are that not, are, uh, you know, are outside of the norm. So oh, I thought we'll you were going to say things that are both. But they, yeah, yeah, they okay. might be <laughs> that too, right? Okay. Well, we're all going to learn something then. Right. Okay, first up, the hot seat. Is that a children's story or sex position? I'm going to say sex position. Very good. It is. Do you want to? I'll tell you what it is. It's when your partner kneels behind you, um, but he leans back slightly with your back to him. You kneel in front of him with your legs between his, and then he is inside you. And it's the hot seat because you're sitting on him. Uh, the it. hot seat. Get it? Noted. 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 Okay. Uh, second one the amazing butterfly. Sex position or children's toy? Um, sex position? Nailed it. Uh, first, find, this one's instructional. It tells you how to do it. First, find a place where you can lie down and he can stand in front of you. The catch, it's got to be somewhere that puts your pelvis uh, a foot, a lower, foot than lower than his. his. Maybe your bed, if it's a high one. Have him place his hands under your hips so he can hold your booty at the perfect <laughs> angle while he thrusts. Like a butterfly? Uh, well, I, I think the legs, yeah. the, the weight, I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like I should give credit to Cosmo for all these sex positions. Obviously, that's where we got them. Wait, who do you Clearly. have to give credit to? <gasps> Cosmo. Sexy. Cool. Nick, you're such a natural Come at this. It, baby. <laughs> okay, next, Jenny. The LOL surprise doll. <laughs> Is that a children's story or sex position? I kind of want to say sex position, but I'll say children's oh, toy. Oh, I, that is amazing. I almost hit the button for the uh, and you yeah, turned it around. Man, you're really good at this. Really it's a, good. It is an actual doll. It's it's a, it's a mystery toy inside a ball, which is the LOL <laughs> surprise, I guess. Ah. All right. How about the lullaby rock? I'll go children's toy. Oh, it's your uh, Oh, gotcha. Yeah, this is... Face each other on your sides and wrap your leg around him. Uh, instead of thrusting, grab a hold somewhere, shoulders, butt, back, and rock him against your body. You can rock him to sleep. How Lullaby. sweet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hmm. The Alpha Hawk Blaster. Children's toy or se- sex Please position? Please be a sex position, but it's a children's <laughs> toy, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a Nerf gun. Oh, we have to make it a sex yeah, position. Right? Come up someone with needs. Someone, get me a diagram for yeah, this. Yeah, that, that one is uh, <laughs> sounds hmm. fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, this <laughs> the scatter blast blaster. <laughs> Again, I really want it to be a sex position, but I will say children's toy. Oh, yeah, that's a super soaker. Just a super soaker. <laughs> um, okay, the Care Bear bath squirter. <laughs> Um, children's toy. Yeah. I guess the Care Bear was a giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a bath toy. (laughs) Okay. The Tata Tees. I'll go to second position. (laughs) That one seems pretty evident. Lie back. Use a ton of lube. Push your boobs together and let him go to town on... What is essentially the classic titty fuck? Uh, I want to I want to credit whoever wrote that description because it was, there were a lot of twists and turns. Mm. I didn't know where we were going, right. but uh, it's essentially the, the classic time, titty fuck. Yeah, very simple, classic. Because titty fucks can be classic. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, the 1950s. You got a milkshake. Yeah. Uh, you went to the drive-through, and just a classic titty fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you got pinned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that was our whole game. You did so good. <laughs> Congrats. Thank Yay. you. You're really good at that. 
<laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us, Jenny. Oh, thank you. It's been really fun. Um, we hope we have cleared up this week's reason. That's it for this week's This Is Why You're Single podcast. Check out our book, which is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our audiobooks on Audible. Thank you so much to my new guest host, Nick Rad. <laughs> hey. Laura, I hope we oh. didn't have too much fun. Uh-oh. Yeah, I think it was solid medium amount, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, Laura will be back next week. Taking over for uh, Nicholas. Um, thank you to Jenny. Check out her book, which is also available on Amazon at Barnes Noble and at IndieBound. You can follow her on Twitter at Jenny Nordback, N O R D B A K. Any other plugs, Jenny? No, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And yeah. Wait, the what? book is out there. The book is The Scarlet Letters, My Secret Year of Men in an L.A. Dungeon. Awesome. And what else are you doing in New York while you're here? Any, uh, what um, else is going on for you? Anything I exciting? I mean, should I admit I'm like cheating on you guys and doing other shows? I know. That's yeah, great. I mean, Shout out what else you're doing. Um, I will be on Jenny McCarthy tomorrow, nice. but that's live. Oh. So I guess by the time. Mm, yeah, this, it'll be before yeah, this. So I was on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, I'm hanging out with the, the guys we fucked ladies. Nice. Oh. So doing that one and some like newspapers and stuff. But very dope. Oh, yeah. well, she's everywhere. She's everywhere. Around. You could have a full day of Jenny Nordback podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can also follow plug for Nick. Oh. You can also follow Nick at Nick Rad on Twitter. <laughs> Any other do that. plugs for you, uh, Nick? Listen to every podcast on Headgum. <laughs> it's a good network, <laughs> and I'm a part of it. So yeah, yeah do that. Yeah, Black Men Can't Jump. Black Men Can't uh, Jump, Twinovation, The Classics, High and Mighty with John Gabris. Uh, if I Were You. You know him. Yeah, you love yeah. him. M- Mama loves all her babies, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Your Single Show. Make sure to like and subscribe on iTunes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. Bye. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. That was a headgum podcast.